0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: I was in 11th grade, and life hit me hard. So my stepdad was a drug dealer, which I knew, but he tried to hide it from me uh, but I pretty much knew So I remember being in 11th grade And the principal called me to the office He said, Ryan, come to the office No, we need to talk So I come to the office. I was like, I didn't do nothing today they to get in trouble Like, what you calling me for? She brings me to the office And she turns on the news And it's my mom She, My mom at the time was working for Carter The bus station mm-hmm. here And the FBI is pulling her off the bus And I'm like, hmm, what's going on? So she said, the principal said I think you need to go home so I drive to my stepdad. He had an a, a office building on Brandon Road. So I, I go there, and I don't know what's going on yet. So my mom is currently in jail at that time. And I look out the window, and I see my stepdad drive by. He's he, he, he going towards the tunnels. And about 10 seconds later, the whole sub- the building is surrounded by FBI agents. My name is Ryan Martin, and this is the Time Rolling Podcast for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. Boy, do I have a great guest for you today. Um, we're going to take a little departure from the world of fishing, and we're going to go to the world of boxing. And the reason that we're going to go there is for a few reasons, actually. One, it's an absolutely incredible story. Two, absolutely incredible person that has risen to the heights of professional boxing. There are tremendous lessons on mindset, tremendous lessons on attitude tremendous lessons on um, work ethic and just the ability to overcome things that aren't perfect in your life. And that is certainly the way with our guest um, and what he's been able to do. Uh, Ryan Martin is a two-time world champion in boxing. He has had an incredible amateur career and uh had a fell short of the olympics and then won two world titles and he you know that sounds like wow man what an incredible career but there were also lots of things that weren't perfect in his life in fact he came from a real tough upbringing and um real tough childhood for all kinds of reasons that you're going to hear so whether you're a boxing fan or not, whether you're somebody that, that um, you know likes stories like this or not, this one is absolutely incredible, and the lessons can be applied to so many different things. So if you want to be a fishing guide, you want to be a great fishing guide, you want to win fishing tournaments, you want to do something else in your life, you want to follow your passion, man, Ryan has a story. He's got a story that you should listen to, and it is absolutely incredible. So I really hope that you enjoy it. I really hope that you stick around through the whole story because there are so many great, just incredible, golden nuggets of information in this this podcast with Ryan Martin, two-time world champion boxer. All right, here
1: we go. Ryan what's up, man? Nothing much uh hard workout uh, <laughs> no ready to dive into it, ready to get to it. right on well i uh
2: usually. When I do a podcast like this, I have a lot of time to do a lot of research on somebody. So in this situation, our friend Ted Allen put us together Yes, and uh, I haven't had that much time. So this is going to be a, a good opportunity. We had an opportunity to get to know each other a little bit this morning, been working out since 5 a.m. It's yes. about nine now. Um, and I appreciate you coming. That was a that was a good workout. You hey, didn't. I thought I, I'm pretty sure that your heart rate didn't get over 130 beats. Actually, per second. it was a
1: good workout. I loved it. I love getting up early in the morning, getting after it, and hopefully I can come back more and uh, come back share, share the workout with you yeah. more. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you can come back anytime.
2: <laughs> I, I'm going to have to figure out. A, a, our heart rate was at like 185, and I'm pretty sure that yours was about 115.
1: Uh, about 1 160. Right. You know,
2: So um So to, to bring people up to speed, the reason why his heart rate didn't get over 115 beats per minute is because you are... A two time world champion yes, boxer. Yes. Right. Yes.
1: I'm um you no, know, my my whole life has been dedicated to the sport. And um, you know, it's just it's just what I love to do. And uh I work extremely hard. So
2: there's no way you become a world champion without working extremely exactly, hard. Exactly, and there's no way you repeat without doing that.
1: Exactly, you had to put your all into it and like just like anything in life, you have to you know put your all into it. You can't half ass anything.
2: So. so tell me your story, man. Let's, let's catch up a little bit.
1: So, all right. So, you know, my story is pretty long, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna we got a today. lot of time. So, um, I started boxing when I was eight years old. Uh, my older brother did it before and he was babysitting me one day and I was living in Highland Park area and, um, he went to this boxing gym. He took me and, you know, the first day I went there, I started sparring and uh, I busted this kid's nose and boxing, I felt like just grabbed me. I don't. I didn't feel like I chose the sport. I feel like it just took me, um, and I happened to be so good at it. Uh, and I think what really grabbed me was the independence that it brought, the the core values that it brought brought to me, and and introduced me to to things as a, as a as a young kid. And um, like what what were those core like values? The disciplines of. Um, you no know, working out being on time being on schedule uh, and just relying on yourself like you got to get this done no matter what
2: now a lot of that comes from a coach did you have a good coach
1: I had a good coach great coach um his name was Andy Smith he's in Chattanooga and uh but as I was growing up I started traveling around the country winning these tournaments and I was number one in the country from the from the age of 8 years old to 15 years old I was winning everything and um you know I I grew up I grew up pretty happy. Uh my mom moved here from Ohio, she met a man and uh they got married and I moved down here from Cleveland from Akron, Ohio to Chattanooga. And uh my stepdad's name is Kevin Albert and he treated me better than his own son. Mm-hmm. He he treated me he he treated me better than my own dad. He taught me you no know, how to drive a car. He he got me Christmas presents. He, um, you know, he was just so proud of me that I was you know, doing well in school and in boxing. So winning these tournaments um, growing up, you know, I was going to all these national tournaments, winning here, winning there, number one in the country. And um, so the age of 16 come around, and the Olympic year come up to 2012 Olympics. So that's my only goal in life at this point was to make the 2012 Olympic team. And I was in 11th grade. And life hit me hard. So, my stepdad is a drug dealer, which I knew, but he tried to hide it from me, Uh, but I pretty much knew. So, I remember being in 11th grade, and the principal called me to the office. He said, Ryan, come to the office, no, we need to talk. So, I come to the office, like, I I didn't do nothing, today they get in trouble. Like, what you calling me for? (laughs) She brings me to the office, and she turns on the news, and it's my mom. She, my mom at the time was working for Carter the bus station mm-hmm. here and the FBI is pulling her off the bus. And I'm like, Hmm, what's going on? So she said, the principal say, I think you need to go home. So I drive to my stepdad. He had a, a, a office building on Brandon road. So I, I go there and I don't know what's going on yet. So my mom is currently in jail at that time. And I look out the window and I see my stepdad drive by. He, 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 he going towards the tunnels and about 10 seconds later, the whole sub- the building is surrounded by FBI agents
2: that you're in the that building, I mean, you're in? The
1: whole, the whole building is surrounded by FBI. So
2: your dad's not, he he's, took he, off.
1: He, he took off. Okay. He didn't stop. So they they come in big old rifles and everything. They come in and, and they take everything out the building. I'm 16 at the time. They take everything out the building and come to find out, you know, he's been indicted. Wow. And um, so I remember going to school, and FBI trucks followed me to school, followed me to the boxing gym, and um, he took care of me my whole life up to this point. And uh, that's when, at that point, money just stopped for me. Like my whole life just flipped. So I, I was going to school one day. I went to Central High School. I'm I'm driving to school one day, and I stop at Sonic, one of the restaurants on on uh, Highway 58. And a man comes up beside me and he hands me a wad of cash. And he, I don't even know, I don't, even, I didn't even notice him at the point. He had a hat on, he cut his beard and everything. So my stepdad, he said, son, I love you. You probably won't see me for a long time. Last time I saw him outside of bars. And um, so at this point we was, I was going to Central High School, but I was, we was living in Hickson and um, I'm, I remember coming home and, we had no electric, no food. My mom was like scared, super scared. She's out her mind. And um I remember having to like sleep in the car like for to charge my phone. Still still get up and go to school the next day. And um uh, that's when I decided, you no. Know, suck it up. I got to get stuff done. So um it's time to go to fight for the to make the Olympics. So I fly to Denver, Colorado, and my first fight, I'm fighting you no know, to represent the United States in the Olympics. Now it, wait before you go there. So you're
2: having all this trouble in your life, it, and are you is somewhere in the back of your mind like, the, I, I should be training for the Olympics, or this is an opportunity for me to get out of this situation, or you, where was that thought? For you know,
1: you? at that point in my life, I don't think I had no thought process as uh, you know I really don't know My thought but process But was your
2: coach Kind of like Hey man We got the Olympics here No Like where where no. were you, you just kind of
1: Everything was weary At this time um, I'm struggling in school Cause like I had no guidance At this point in my life Like my mom Didn't care if I went to school Like she was so shook Like she wasn't She wasn't a mom anymore mm-hmm. She was not a parent anymore Like It was Me on my own Right So At 16 years old So um well, I'm getting ready to go to the Olympics. I'm still I'm still training, but not as focused as I would be because I have no money, no electric, no food. Um you familiar with the YCAP? Yeah. So I I I used to go to the Y-CAP and take canned food and eat canned food, you no, know, for dinner.
2: Now tell uh, tell for people that aren't familiar with it, what is the YCAP? Cap?
1: Uh so YCAP Cap is uh the program that I didn't go through the program but like I was always around the program. It's an inner, it's a, it's a program that helps the inner city kids you know with, with boxing after school program. Mm-hmm. Great for you know, keeping kids out of trouble. And a thousand and one kids went through the program that I'm friends with came through this program. So it's, it's, it's a great deal that they do for the community. Um, but I was taking canned food from the YCAP to feed myself. And, um, so I go out to Denver and my first fight, I fight a guy named Robert Easter hmm. and uh, he beats me 13 to nine. And from that point over, I thought my dreams was crushed. So I come back to Chattanooga and reality hits me even harder. Now I got to figure out how I'm going to survive through life. So the Volkswagen plant had like just opened somewhere around that time. So I start. I got a job at Volkswagen in a, in a factory plant. I'm, I'm, just graduated high school, so I think I'm seventeen, 17, 18 around this time. Graduated high school. I didn't even go to my graduation. I told, I emailed my principal say, hey, "Can you email me my my, my diploma?" As I got my diploma in the email, and um, so I started working at at at, at Volkswagen, and uh, twelve hour shifts, hmm. twelve hour shifts, sleep twelve hours. It was like repeat, like, and one day I just sat back in my chair and I was just like, "No, this can't be it for me." And uh, I got to get back in boxing. So I jumped back in boxing. So and, you weren't training at all? I wasn't training at all. I, w- I was just working and, you know, trying to figure out what I'm going to stay do. Staying in any kind of shape or anything? I, I was still in decent shape. Um, I was just so
2: lost in life at this point. Um, yeah, 12-hour shifts on, 12 hours was, off. I, there's not a lot of time to. Not
1: make. a lot of time to do anything. Right. I was sleeping. Um, And it was swing shift. So, you know, it had change every, you no know, two days. I was still living with my mom at the time. She was still going through her trials and tribulations with the court system. Um, so, in the midst of that time, it was time for sentencing. My my, my stepdad turned himself in, and he ended up getting 26 years. Wow. He, My mom ended up not serving any time she got off or whatever. So, what is it that they got in trouble for? Uh, selling crack cocaine. Allegedly. Crack cocaine. Okay. Uh, it, and that was, brought the FBI, so
2: it must have been yeah, a pretty it, big it, it was, operation. It,
1: I think it was like nine people involved uh, from Atlanta... Memphis and Chattanooga So it it, it it was a pretty big deal And um, So my mom um, Me and her got into an altercation Where she ended up putting me out the house And um, I always tell people I've been on my own since I was 16 Since I was 16 I felt like I've been on my own To, to survive for myself And I feel like in life my Between boxing and my stepdad Has taught me Everything I need to know To survive like be a man, no matter what, go out and get it. Get it done. And um yeah, so I w- I moved to Red Bank. I got my own apartment in Red Bank. <laughs> I'm living on my own. And um I quit Volkswagen and I said I gotta get back in boxing. So I I get back into boxing, I win a a tournament and then um you no, know, I worked at uh Smokey Bones too. I worked at Smokey Bones. I remember walking from Hickson, Tennessee to um, the mall area. Mm-hmm. I walked. Wow. That's a long walk. for that's like 12 miles. That, that's a long walk. And um, I did it repeatedly. Like, it's just, I just had to do what I had to do to survive. And I ended up starting cutting grass in Hickson. I was cutting grass in Hickson for 20 bucks a yard. Hmm. All right. So, um, and one day it was September, it was September, September 9th. I remember September 9, 2013. I get a phone call from New York City. I don't know anybody from New York City, not one person. So I declined the phone call and I get a, a, the, the the number calls back and I declined again. He leaves a voicemail. It's 50 Cent. <laughs> he, he leaves a voicemail. He said, like, Hey, yo, it's the kid 50. I heard a lot about you. I've been, you know, I looked at some videos. A lot of people are talking about you me back and I'll see if we can get a deal done. So, Did you think that was fake? I thought it was fake. <laughs> of I didn't, course she did. Yeah, like, I, I, I was like, it's no way that 50 Cent is calling me. So my girlfriend, I ran to her and I I I showed her the voice message and she said, call him back. And then also, I went to my coach and he didn't believe it. Um, so I, I ended up calling him back and he was like, hey, I want to fly up to New York, so we're going to sit down, see if we can get a deal done. And so you can start professionally fighting. So I'm like, I just went from, like, you know, cutting grass for 20 bucks a yard to <laughs> getting on the phone with 50 cents. Like, you know, something – no, I got to do this. So um, before I, I before I called – I mean, in the midst – after I called him back, I went to my coach in here, and uh, I said, hey, I got an opportunity to turn professional. What do you think about it? He told me no. He was totally against it. Why did he – well, –
2: did he not think you were ready? Or?
1: Uh, no, he just. So Chattanooga isn't a big boxing community. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody doesn't know about professional boxing or don't know that industry, you're pretty much gonna shy away from it, I guess. And uh, but my whole life was has been around boxing. What else? Like, I dedicate my whole life to the sport. What else am I going to do?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, school wasn't my biggest thing because I was I dedicated my whole life to boxing. In school, at Central High School, I was loved at Central High School because I was winning all these tournaments. I love Central High School, but they sucked at football and basketball. Right. And wrestling. Yeah, and when I was on the news, I always shouted out my school and everything, and they loved me for that. I was winning everything. I seen everything. I was winning everything. And um, the mayor gave me pro- uh, proclamations and rewards. Um, the last mayor, I can't remember his name. Littlefield. No, before that. I mean, after that, after that, after Littlefield, yes. um, Andy Burke. Yes. Burke. Yeah. Uh, he gave me like, I met him multiple times. He always said good things about me. So yeah. So Andy Smith, they didn't believe in professional boxing at this time. So I had to make a choice. I flew to New York and I sat down with 50 cent <laughs> in Manhattan. We sit down in his office and his office is about the size Well, his office is pretty big, but we had a table like this and he slides me some money. It's like $25,000 or whatever. I just went from making 20 bucks (laughs) a yard. (laughs) So I'm going home with maybe 60 bucks a day
0: to versus 25 grand grand right here.
1: And I had no representation, no, no lawyer, no anything like that. Um, So I signed a contract. It was a four year contract uh, with extensions. No, if I did this, I did that, it, it extended, you no, know, two years each time I did it. So this four year contract ended up turning into like a ten year contract. With no way to get out. With no way to get out. Um, so I accomplished everything and fifty cent gets in trouble, like some kind of legal trouble where some woman was suing him for putting out a sex tape or stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh I just started making money. Not enough money to, you know, to retire or anything. But I just started making money more than making twenty bucks a yard. So um, he filed bankruptcy. I'm included in the bankruptcy, and I, I'm, I'm calling Fifty Cent. I'm texting him and say, Hey, you no, know, can we work out a deal to where you let me go so I can move on with my career? I don't have money like you have. You no, know, you can sit here and do this. I can't. I have to, you know, continue what I'm doing and make a living. And months go by, I heard nothing from him, no communication at all. And this is a man who who is my promoter. And we had uh an open communication. Like I talked to this guy for years every day. A very smart guy. Um, you know, one probably one of the smartest guys I ever met. And uh so finally we come on an agreement where I had to pay him you no know, X amount of percentage over a course of years. And um And we still keep a relationship to today, No, not as close as we was, but I still talk to him every now and then. Are you out of that contract? Um, Yeah, the contract is over with. Everything is square between us, but uh, I remember going through that time with him where the boxing media outlet, Will, they would try to get me to say something angry about him or something bad about him. And I would never have something bad to say about a man who gave me a start in my career or or helped me um i was cutting grass when he called me and uh i i couldn't say i wouldn't be where i'm at without him but he helped me get to where i'm at today um no and uh i'm thankful for that i'm thankful that he actually like reached out to me to turn professional um no i'm from chattanooga tennessee like how many professional boxers come from chattanooga tennessee has there ever been one Yes, but not on a level I'm on. Mm-hmm. Uh no disrespect to them, but right. it's really like you no know, levels to, to boxing and I'm that good. Um so moving forward, um I'm living in Cleveland Cleveland, Ohio at the time. And uh 2016, I get a phone call at like three o'clock in the morning. Me and my girlfriend are in our place and I get a phone call at like three o'clock in the morning. It's from Chattanooga PD. And uh I'm like, I'm very friendly with some of the, the officers, and I get a phone call like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, hmm, This is weird. And uh, it's the detective scrubs. Uh, he calls me, he's like, Hey, Ryan, I got some news to tell you. Your little brother is you no know, dead. Oh man, so I'm like, What? I, he's supposed to be off in college. So he ended up coming home for I think it was Christmas break. He comes home and Um, he gets in a car with some of his friends Uh and uh, he's right on Brandon road. And he went up one of the back alleyways. He's sitting in the front seat. He got somebody driving and two of his other friends are in the back seat and in the car. This is what they assume happened. One of the friends in the back of the car and sit behind him, shoots him in the shoulder. So somehow he opens the door, he falls out the car and he's running up the street And all the guys get out the car and they start shooting at him. So he ended up getting shot like 15 times, three times in the head. And the Chattanooga police say it's one of the worst scenes they ever seen. Wow. They found him sitting on his knees, folded over. Like he was like basically standing up dead. And uh, so I flew down the next day. I never cried that hard in my life, actually. I flew down the next day and I got to go see him at the morgue fresh. And, uh, it was the most gruesomest thing I ever seen. Um, no seeing my little brother, no, like that. And it's like, that's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, just seeing him like that was like, wow. It just brings, brings everything to center. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I guess thinking about it just brings tears to my eyes. Um but even at the funeral, like to talk about him, um this one gang violence in China was at his highest. Um I don't even know what to say right now, but Well that, how do you how do you how do you rebound from that? Um, like what do you
2: That's is that the lowest of the lowest That's low? probably I mean,
1: the lowest I've been in my life. Well no, actually I actually Been close to that But that right there was Was heartbreaking for me And that made me not want to come back to Chattanooga Uh, The only reason I really come back to Chattanooga I actually love the city And my girlfriend family here Is like family to me Um, But just going through that situation Is like I would never want any parent To go through that situation Like seeing Even though his dad We don't have the same dad He's my half brother. Right. But he's... Basically, we grew up together. But his dad's in jail and his mom, seeing her cry, like, no parents should ever have to witness that. And the way that it happened and the images that I've seen that I can never forget of his face, like, he had gunshot wounds through his face. And they tried to restructure his face and it just... Was horrible um, But moving on from that Just You know I take that in the ring with me I take that anger In the ring, to me, in the ring with me And I try to use it To the, to my advantage The best way I can Um. So But moving forward from that uh, I ended up moving from Cleveland, Ohio To California I started training In Big Bear Lake, California And uh, It's that altitude And if you've ever been To Big Bear Lake, California It's only like two restaurants and two grocery stores. And so I've been up there for four, maybe almost five years. Now, we lived in this house. It's a compound. And I was the only American there for all these years. uh, The rest of them was Russians and uh, someone from Kazakhstan, stuff like that. So we we formed a, a brotherhood. We just couldn't speak to each other. Because the language barrier. But in a gym, we all spoke the same language. Mm. Like, it was like, it was like amazing. And this was when U.S. and Russia was going through right, things. Right. And, I, I, and I got a video that came up on my phone from Memories that I said, you know, all this attention going on between U.S. and Russia, and I have Russian friends. And um, we created this super strong bond. But in the ring, in, in the gym, we murder each other. And we really try to kill each other, but that's made, that made us better.
2: So how do you, how do you, it's, it's interesting. Like, how do you become friends with somebody that you can't (laughs) communicate with? I mean, is there just unspoken communication? It's
1: unspoken communication and, and, and the dedication, like you, you can feel when somebody's dedicated to something Mm -hmm. because you're dedicated to, like we have the same passion for, for this. So when we spar, we really try to make each other better by giving our all, giving our best and the way this was set up so we lived in this house and let's say it, w- it was like this room nobody had their own room it was like we had our own beds and it was separated by curtains and so every like all we did was train and sleep train and sleep every day hmm. and um you know we try to communicate but it just you know it just wasn't there and um could you at least get names and yeah yeah we yeah. got names yeah. we got names um and just the hard work and dedication that we went through—it just like you grind with your brothers. You work hard with your brothers, so you're you're
2: in in one way you're you're surrounded by people that you know respect and, and yes. love you. Yes. In another way, you're isolated more so than maybe ever in your life. Ever ever. Right in after life. your brother yes. has has been yeah. murdered, so how was that to uh, to deal with? Where you going Back with that, and forth uh, on on feeling like. This is a good place. And then, man, I'm so, <laughs> dealing, I can imagine you were just incredibly lonely there.
1: Dealing with that now that I understand now is it was at the start of a depression. Mm-hmm. It was the start of, the, of, of a very deep depression, which you don't know until you come out of it. Um, I, I was talking to a therapist, but not strongly because she was based here in Chattanooga. So we would get on the phone call every Sunday. And some Sundays, I just didn't feel like talking. Like I'm not a very open person. Uh, It takes a while for me to to talk about my feelings because I like to think about my feelings before I speak. And uh, so, in the midst of this time, I'm still fighting. I'm still trying to, you know, live my life. And um, so, at this point, 2018, the biggest fight of my career. I'm, I'm fighting the champion in Scotland. And his name is Josh Taylor. And uh the most money I am making, the biggest fight of my career, you think everything will be going smooth. This is the worst time of my career. Because I'm I'm in a depression. I don't know it yet, but I, I'm in a depression. So, and I'm by myself in Big Bear. My manager doesn't come and see me. I have no friends come to see me. I'm just there. And uh I fly to Russia
2: with the Russians and, yeah. and all those people. Everybody's but, up there, yeah. But nobody else.
1: Nobody knows. Like even my coach, he knew something was wrong, but I didn't have that relationship with my coach to where I could talk to him about certain things. I just always went to the gym and I just did my work. It was like I was going through the motions. Mentally, I, w- I wasn't there at all mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, physically, I was ready. Mentally, I was gone. So I fly to Russia. I do the whole media thing. Uh, I come back to, to Big Bear, I train. So fight fight weeks come up and... um <sighs> I'm trying to get myself ready. So I remember laying in bed, and I called my girlfriend, and I say, I don't think I can do this. And my girlfriend's tough. She's like, what you mean you can't do this? You already did this. You already signed a contract. Get it done. So uh, she didn't really know what was going on with me either. Um, so I'm like, okay, let, let's let's get this out the way. Fly to Scotland, and I just wasn't there. Um, I remember walking down the... The pathway and the pathway to me seems like two miles long and everybody's yelling at me and, you know, throwing things at me, spitting at me. Um, so the bell rings and I just know that I'm mentally not there. Even if you see the fight on YouTube, you see something's not right. Like I don't throw any punches. I just, I'm just there. And, uh, that's my first defeat. And it felt to be, honest, I never said this, but it felt like, uh, it felt like a shoulder was lifted. I mean a weight was lifted off my shoulders. It felt like I was relieved.
2: Because you lost. Yeah. Yeah. You hear that with other fighters that, that say that.
1: Like, yeah. I think more because it was so much pressure on me too to win this fight. And um and and today it's acceptable to talk about what you're going through mentally. Few years ago, it wasn't okay for you to talk about mm-hmm. what's going on with you mentally, especially as 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 an athlete. nobody, right. nobody cared. Tyson
2: Fury's been very open about right, that. Right, exactly. Like he had a very speaking similar of that. Kind of deal. Speaking
1: of that, I met Tyson Fury a few weeks before my fight, and uh, he came to Big Bear. Did he? He he, he flew in on a helicopter, and he got out the helicopter with this hundred thousand dollar suit on right? <laughs> and, and, and we went to dinner. And he rented out this like forty thousand um, dollar. He paid forty grand a, a month for this house in Big Bear and stuff stuff like that. Some some crazy. Like he is he's wild. And he gets there. He said, "Hey, where's the party at?" And I was like, "I'm like Tyson. Win Big Bear. There's no clubs, no parties, or anything up here." He stays for two days. He leaves. He goes to. I think he goes to L.A. He moved his whole training camp to L.A. because it was up. And Big Bear is is really. You're 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 locked in. It's yeah. nothing up there at all, and you get stuck up there. When it starts snowing, you can't go down. Um, but so that is good and bad being there, because if 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 you don't have anybody to talk to, like what's on your mind, if you just hold it in, and that's anything in life, like even on a regular basis, if you go going through something and and you hold it in, it's gonna eat you. It's gonna eat you alive, and it's gonna it's gonna bring you down unless you talk about it. And that's what happened to me. That's how I fell into my depression. And um, I wish I had somebody to talk to about my, even my girlfriend, like I talked to her about everything, but it's just, this was something where I just felt, I didn't know how, how to, how to express it without being angry.
2: So as, as soon as you would talk about it, you'd get yeah, angry. It
1: is, it yeah, it makes, makes me very angry. Uh, and I don't know why. Um, well, I but,
2: do. <laughs> you, you, I mean, the story that you've told to this point, and I'm sure there's more. That's incredible. I mean, why it, it would be incredibly surprising if you weren't angry?
1: Yeah, it just it's just like even my my parents. It just angers me how I feel like they failed they failed me as parents. I I, I really do. Uh, until I turned professional, is when our relationship got better. Um, they see my life. As a trophy, like uh, I never had that parent love um I never felt like they did everything they needed to do to you know show me love uh so even I struggle like that with my girlfriend today. I'm not family oriented, but she is, so sometimes i we butt heads on family things. Um but you no, know, I, I carry all this into the ring. And that's why I love boxing. That's why I'm so connected to the sport because it's just me. When you in that square ring, you're exposed. Everything's exposed. Like you can't hide anything. All eyes are on you. And the man across from you is probably going through the same thing. Boxing is a poor man's sport. Boxing is two gladiators fighting for survival, and that man wants to kill you and That's how it really is. it's modern day gladiators and every time I strap on my boots to go to war, like it brings me joy. It's like every when I step in the ring, everything outside doesn't matter, but that's a lie <laughs> it does matter <laughs> because if 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 I go in if I go into the ring thinking about outsized things, mm-hmm. I'm unfocused. And it's going to show. It don't matter if it's going to show from round one, two, three, four. It's going to show between those 12 rounds. Something's going to show. So one of the things
2: that I like to get stories about like yours is that your story is extreme. And then what you do is super extreme. So if you can explain the way that you stay focused and you can put all of this other stuff aside, the regular person can learn how to put little minor things aside, right? Like you've got really, really major things that you're putting aside to get in that ring and stay 100% focused. And at that level, the tiniest bit unfocused right are knocked out yes right yes
1: so how do you do that <sighs> honestly i never asked that question before <laughs> how do i do it um boxing just brings me joy it's just you know my whole life has been dedicated to it and you know i would say my girlfriend is is my shield she she takes she tries to take all the distractions and bottle it up until after the fight. So no matter what's going on between me and her or, or whatever, if if, let's say my mom call and like always, she needs something, she will hold it in until after the fight. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. She does that because I, she knows that how important this is, for not just me, but her. This is how I make my living. This is how I want to support my family. Um, so staying focused is is ninety percent of the boxing game. Uh, men's, men, it's only ten percent physical. Everybody at the level I'm at can fight. Everybody. It's who has that mental toughness to overcome when you're hurt, when you're down, when you, you know, going through things outside the ring. And just recently, it's it's. Is it become okay to 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 pull out a fight because you're going through a, a a tough time mentally? If it was okay five years ago, I'd be in a different position. I could have got help. I could've talked about my you know things I was going through. Uh and still today, people really don't know my story. Mm-hmm. Um because even before then, I'd be like, of course, we know everybody go through things in life. Everybody. It's just a matter of how you deal with it, and how you come out of it. Um, but the thing I like to do when I'm in Chattanooga, I, 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 because I, I went through these things, even as a kid, I grew up in Highland Park before it was what it is now. And I grew up, up around gangbangers and, you know, bad situations. And my whole life was, I was taught what not to do. I was never taught what to do. I, I, so, my,
2: what is what uh, in that environment? What is what not to do?
1: Live how my parents live. Live. Uh,
2: so you're learning by example. Don't be a crack yes, dealer.
1: Yes. Don't do that, and don't like. What was really big on me is having a a a a mom and dad having two parents in the same household. Uh, having a marriage, like a marriage that I can view that that I want to be like, I, I I never had that. And me and my girlfriend been together for eight years, and between both of our families, that's the longest relationship has been in our family. Nobody's ever gone. Nobody ever. Them. No, nobody ever, and it's sad. Like, and the kids today in our community go through that all the time. They go through. You no, know, some kids go through it ten times worse than I did, and they still have to get up and go to school perform, and do these things. Uh But you just have to know what not to do and what you want. So when I was living in Highland Park, the Smiths used to pick me up basically every day. I, I basically lived with them, and they took me to Hickson. And Hickson to me was like Miami. <laughs> it was like a different world. And it was just a couple miles away. But that changed my life because I got to see something different. I got to see a little bit of success and and that's why I gravitate to boxing so much if I can do good here it can change my life it can it can alter it can break the family curse it can break the chain not, not the curse yeah the chain it can break the chain like and so many people are, are living in a cycle
2: mm-hmm.
1: i have friends who mom got pregnant at 16 their daughter got pregnant at sixteen. Their daughter gonna get pregnant at sixteen, and it's true.
2: So, what does that look like to you? Let's just say that you break the cycle. Let's say, let's say you break the chain, and you can blue sky it. What does that look like to you?
1: Meaning, how would you would you be like? How does it like, look like to me,
2: you, you, how do you want your life to be? How do you want to break that chain? And what life do you want to live?
1: I I, I want to live a life to where I'm setting my kids up for a better life that I don't... They don't have to go through things that I went through. That's that's one of my biggest goals and personally to me is to give my kids a, a childhood that I never had. I, f- I didn't feel like I ever had a childhood and like a, a real childhood to where, you know, I can't recall memories with my mom. All I can remember is me taking her to dinner. Like, it's just... Some kids, when you, your childhood should be a childhood, no matter what, like a child should be able to enjoy itself. And, um, you know, it's just so much that I I, I want to do for, for my family that I didn't have, um, being family oriented. I want to be family oriented. I, I, I want to have my family close and, uh, and, but how do you do that if you never had that example.
2: Right. So that was the next question. So (laughs) what, how do you do that?
1: You seek out mentors? Do you, you seek out mentors? Uh, no, Ted Allen, his, he don't even know it. He motivates me so much. Um, even as a kid, like I, I never had, I never looked at Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson as a person I wanted to be like, um, I just, I was motivated by not being, how my parents was, how, like, my dad, I remember him telling me for years as a kid, he's going to send me a Christmas gift. Never got it. Never got it. I remember me waiting, waiting. Man. And I still think about it today. And, and you know, what I, what I still struggle with today, and I prayed on it a lot, is forgiveness. And some days I feel like I can forgive, and some days it comes back. And It's with my parents. Like, I really remember waiting for gifts from my dad. Uh we talk now more than ever. And I know why. I like I really do. Why? Because I'm a professional fighter. And he's proud of that. And you know, when I was an amateur, I had two hundred and twenty two amateur fights. Guess how many my parents came to? Zero. About two. Two. Yeah. To, because I'm fights. They've been to every one of them. <laughs> Almost every <laughs> one of they, them. Yeah. Do you fly them out there? No. Do you, how, I get I mean, them Some tickets. of these are,
2: some of these are in Scotland and other places.
1: Yeah. Uh, they, they come to the really big ones and you no, know, they are my parents and I, I, I give them tickets and these tickets aren't cheap. So for one, one story. So I had one of my big fights in Vegas Tickets was like $25,000, right? I don't get tickets. I had to pay for tickets. I fight and I watched it in the back. But this, this event was Triple G versus Canelo. Oh, wow. One of the biggest fights of the, of the, of the past 10 years. <laughs> so uh, tickets was $25,000 floor seats. So the promoter gave me a discount. For, so I paid like $5,000 for each ticket. I got four tickets. I got one for me, my girlfriend, one, my coach, and my mom. My mom posted on Facebook. She said, my son must really love me. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, me buying a ticket doesn't have nothing to do with love. You know, you out here and I just want to you know get you a ticket. It has nothing to do with love. But most recently, <laughs> this story right here. So, during the pandemic, to had one fight. And um, this fight, I felt I was so ready for it. And uh, it was my rematch with Robert Easter, the guy who beat me in the Olympics. <laughs> we, be, I'm, I'm friends with him even before we decided to fight each other. We, we had a friendship. We developed a friendship because he was living in Toledo, Ohio, and I was living in Cleveland, Ohio. So we developed a, a friendship. Now it's time for us to fight each other in professionals. Now I got a chip on my shoulder because you beat me to go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So now I'm more than ready. So at, at, my whole mindset changed for this fight. Uh around this time last year, no two years ago around this time, I found out we was fighting each other. So um my mind said, I'm prepared to die. Really. Every day I went to sleep, I told myself, I'm prepared to die for about five months. I'm prepared to die, prepared to die, I'm prepared to die. Every day I laid down, I'm prepared to die. So uh, fight night, I mean, so fight week comes. Fight week comes and we're we're in a bubble. So it's no crowd. No.
2: Because of COVID.
1: Because of COVID. Right. It's the weirdest thing ever. I would never want to go through this again. No crowd. I had to stay in my hotel room for 48 hours. I couldn't leave my hotel room. It was awful. So um, fight night comes up. I'm my, my security is taking me to my dressing room. And uh, I'm typing a message to my mom and my dad. And we talk on Facebook. We don't talk on the phone. We talk on Facebook. It's <laughs> kind of relationship I have with my parents. And uh, I typed them a message, both similar or same messages. And I said something like, you know, hey, I love you. Thank you for you know, being my parents and thank you for things that you've done for me. You know, uh, just a real sincere message. And uh, I send that, turn my phone off. I tell my girlfriend, no, hey, I love you. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for, you no." Know, being who you are for me and everything. Uh, and a couple of my friends and stuff like that. And uh, I'm prepared to die. So uh, I go into the ring and, you know, this is, like, I'm going to give it everything I got. Like, because as a boxer, you want to go over the strategy. and But this, I had so much anger in me because he beat me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going, like, boxing is very dangerous. And uh, you never know if it's going if one shot can change your whole life. And, um, but after that, so um, the message I sent to my mom, this is the point of the story. The message I sent to my mom, she posted it on Facebook. <laughs> can you believe that? Super posted, sincere message. She posted it on Facebook. And I never even talked to her about it. It's just like, what do I post? Well, like, how do I address that? And like she would called me sometimes and asked me for stuff <laughs> and I don't respond because it's like, it's like she wants me to take care of her. You never even took care of me. Mm. But I know I shouldn't hold that against her. But I only get paid when I fight. I didn't have somebody teach me how to, like, and this is another thing with the school system. I think the school system need to teach kids finances. Sure they do. How to balance the checks. I didn't learn none of this until, you know, four years into my professional career. <laughs> and um, she just thinks my life is, like, free all, be all. I don't have no bills, no responsibilities. Like, no, it's like I only get paid when I fight. So I have to balance myself. She works a job. Like, how you never have any money? I don't understand that. So she called me for, she needed this bill paid. She had one incident two years ago. She moved out her boyfriend's house. This was Christmas Eve. She needed a place to live. So I got her apartment. We're moving in on Christmas Eve. Mm. I was so irritated. And she ended up moving out a few months later. Back in with her boyfriend. It's just, I feel like her, her her life is just up and down, and right. uh, I just hope one day she get it together.
2: Uh, that's part of breaking the chain, though.
1: Exactly, right? like exactly. that's part yeah. of breaking the chain. Yeah. You
2: see that, and you don't want that. Yeah, and so you exactly. need to create stability in your life. Yeah, and then there's the forgiveness.
1: And then, meanwhile, my stepdad's still in jail, <laughs> right. and. Uh, he well, it couldn't be more stable than that. Like that's <laughs> you know
2: what? I mean, that's like yeah. every single day is the same. Yeah. The and same then, thing.
1: like talking with him is like living in the past. He's been in there for, you know, maybe I think 15 years so far. And he. It's like talking a tape recorder every day and it is it, sad, uh, but he know he did. And I mean, you no, know, I, I love him to death. And, you know, but reality hasn't hit him yet. When he gets out, it's going to be, he'd be 60 something years old when he gets out. Yeah. Have nothing, have absolutely nothing. And I try to tell kids today who want to be a gangster or want to be this or that, what the rapper is rap about today. They don't really live that life. They just selling it. And some of these kids really want to live that life. And, it's no retirement from that life, right It's only two places that you're guaranteed to go, dead or in jail. It's only two places guaranteed It's only two places guaranteed and I've seen that twenty times. no drug dealer retires you <laughs> you just don't and um some kids just don't get that and um And, and, and but it's, 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 I mean, a a larger commentary
2: is how would they, right? Like, if, if, when you go back to like your upbringing, you're surrounded by all these people, and that is success is being the drug dealer that that's, that's the mentor, that's the only example you have to look at, look for. So, how would they know that there's something else? That, that's really where I, I look at it, and I'm like, man. That seems like the source right there is that if if there's a problem or anything, usually you go to the source of the problem and maybe you can change that, which changes everything associated with it, right? So if the source of the problem is that there's not one example in a young person's life of someone not ending up dead or in jail,
1: then how would they... I think. It's, How would they do better? I think it's uh, it, it's up to the, that individual. I think it's ultimately up to that individual. You can have all the sources in the world. You can have all the examples in the world, and we still we see it today. Some kids have everything they need and still choose to go left, right. And it's it's just you no know, your ambition. What do you want to do with your life? Um, I had none of that, and. I, but I knew what I wanted. I, I knew that I wanted more. I knew I wanted to have something I never had or seen even still today. Like, you know, that's, that's the drive that's in me. And it's it's just in you. It like, it has to be in you. And, um, you no, know, and I'm grateful today to people I have around me to, you know, to drive me more. It's like, it's a never ending thing. Uh, cuz once I, I think for man once you stop striving you're dying I mm-hmm. uh, i believe that once you stop moving what is it what 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 else is there for you to do um and i think that's in man nature is to to provide to 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 lead uh we're all alpha males we're all you no know, want to be the best we can as a man. And, and, and if you don't want to do that, then... Do you think we all want to do that? Because I think select people... Select. I think, yeah, select people. I don't think we all want to do it. I think some of us are just comfortable where we're we at. Some of us are just... And... I have family members that's like that. And I just don't understand it. I just don't understand how can you be content with with, the, with, with this. Like... And so
2: how do you... Separate yourself from that. How do you take steps that that leads you to a place that you want to be? You're, you're basically climbing out of despair, basically, oh. and you're 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 doing it. I mean, you're you're doing it. You're you're a two time world champion. First of all, you've made unbelievable, <laughs> incredible accomplishments in the athletic yeah. in the la- it, athletic realm, but you're also doing it on a personal level. Yes. Now there are tons of people that. We were talking about it just before. It's some some guy got a whole bunch of money. He buys a Lamborghini or something. He crashes it into somebody yeah. else, and he's yeah. he's done. Yeah, right. Like money is not the answer. Yeah, money, may be even a faster ra- uh, yeah. road to the to the problem of being well, dead right. or in jail. Right. Yes. So yeah. when you're successful in the athletic realm. You still have to overcome this this personal thing, yes. which is a mindset, it is uh, uh you know learning from other people. I don't know what it is for you, but you're doing it
1: so success for me is you no know, success for everybody's different. Yeah. Success is whatever you choose, whatever your goal is. Mm-hmm. Don't let somebody else set your goal for you, and you know you can be successful in academics sports, whatever whatever you choose to be. When I when I go talk to kids, uh, most of the kids think you're successful, successful in sports. No, that's that's only a little bit of your life. You have to live life after sports. You don't live life in sports forever. So how how I judge my success is that I'm able to do something I love. So it never feels like work. I truly am, I am passionate about what I do. I did it for free for years Mm -hmm. and I'm just in love with it. I'm I'm in love with the bad and the good of it. It's just phenomenal that I get to, know, do this for a living. And uh, most people don't. Most people don't even get to, don't even step into what they love to do. And you no, know, so a lot of various reasons why that, why why it's like that. But you no, know, if you can find something that you're passionate about and you get to do it, no matter if it's you no, know, no matter what it is. Um, uh, if you love it, you're successful, and nobody can take that away from you at all. No matter if if you're successful at this one point in your life, and then it all goes down, you hit success. And a lot of people who. Don't do nothing in life. Are going to talk about you. They're going to talk about you when you when you when, when you're down. What else they got to do? <laughs> and um, when I lost my first fight, so many people waited for years for that moment. And then and they're
2: like, "I knew it. Yeah, yeah. He's a bum. Yeah, and, he's always been a bum. And, and that, even though he's won 222 <laughs> fights,
1: <laughs> and, and that drives me. It like lights a fire under my ass. It really does. Like." Those words like I told you so. I never want anybody to say that about me. I told you so. I told you unless it's like I told you he'll win. I told mm-hmm. you he'll get that. But when somebody say, I told you he'll lose, it just drives me. But not but not everybody have that that kind of mindset. Yeah. But and, you know what? And like your your your, your post outside it say it's all it's all about the mindset. Mindset's like, everything. it really is. Like if you set your mind to something, it's gonna get done. If I seen something today, I think Jeff Benzo said it. <laughs> If your mindset is to clean your room in 6 days, it's going to take you 6 days to do it. If you decide to do it in one z- one day, it's going to be one day. So you no know, you set your goals and it's going to get done. If you set a goal and you have no time limit on, it's never going to get done. Never ever. Uh so I wake every day up every day ready to go, ready to tackle the day uh my weeks and um No, I mean, I just try to motivate people to whatever you choose to do in life, do it, give it your all. No, live, don't live in the moment, and that's something I struggle with too. We talked about earlier is living in the moment. I had twenty four professional fights, and I can't remember one of them. (laughs) And is I fought at Madison Square Garden, and it was the best night of my career. Still today, because of, first of all, Madison Square Garden is like the mecca. (laughs) And I remember walking down my hallway and I seen Michael Jackson's name and the Beatles, um, Whitney Houston and John Legend. Uh, John, John Lennon, all these names on this wall. These people walk down this alleyway like, holy crap! I'm here too. I I'm in a dressing room where these people set and got ready. Like I'm getting ready, and I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Like I never thought that I'd be in this position. Like I'm just doing what I love, and look where it, it landed me. And um, I remember walking out to the into the the to the ring. 40,000 people screaming. The ground is shaking. And this is this is the only time I knew I was in the moment because I actually said, holy shit, <laughs> like, I'm here. I, that's the only time I ever did that. Like, I, I was, it was like an out-of-body experience. And I ended up knocking the guy out in the eighth round. And just the fans and everything was just so surreal. It was like, I had family and friends who came to support and it was just it was just amazing I, it was so good that I forgot to pick up my check after the fight <laughs> it was that good and um. but in the other moment in the other of my fights it was just I was always I was always looking for what's next after the fight I'm always like what's next even the media the media come to me like hey so what's next for you and that automatic, automatically automatically tr- triggers me to what's next so I'm all I'm, I'm thinking ahead not living in the present enjoying all the work that I put in and you no know, enjoying my team and everybody else around me. Like you shouldn't live like that. You should live, you should enjoy you should enjoy you should enjoy the fruits of your labor. And and right now I'm in 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 such a good spot mentally, spiritually, um that I'm like super happy and a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter. Mm. A happy person is is an unstoppable person. Um, and just having good people around me, uh, it just it takes your spirits to the roof. Uh, even meeting you, like when I first met you, I said, "Yeah, this is the guy." <laughs> like <laughs> you're like work we worked out for two and a half hours, <laughs> and it's like who does that? <laughs> uh, um, a lot of people have <laughs> said that. <laughs> so it's like. And I'm like we match each other's energy, and it's just like I don't have two people around me that can do that like my I have two friends, my age, <laughs> and our friendship is on a on a string because life takes us different ways, like these was my really close friends through high school, and kids come in. No you wanna smoke every day i I don't do that. I don't party I don't hang out my My life is my career mm-hmm. i'm I'm so focused so i don't I don't go out I don't hang out for no reason. I see no why would I spend four hours of my life partying? For no reason. I don't understand. I, I really don't. Like, why am I doing this?
2: You just went backwards <laughs> <Exactly>. three weeks. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> you know? I just don't. And uh, I'm grateful for my my girlfriends not like that either. Like, we can stay at home. That's why the pandemic didn't change my life not one bit. <laughs> not one bit. Not People change like, oh, I'm stuck at home. People panicking. Oh, we can't go nowhere. We can't do this. I do this every day anyway. So it's, it's, it's nothing different me. I train, come home, sleep. That's my life. I got stuck in Florida. That's the only thing that changed. But hey, who complains when they're in Florida? Florida didn't shut down. Nothing changed. So it was you no. Know, life is still the same through the pandemic for me. Except for when the toilet paper went out. <laughs> <laughs> so I was stuck. So um, but yeah, man, my, my my story is uh is is still being written and also you wouldn't believe this, so Tyler Perry actually got an, Well, somebody who works for Tyler Perry got in touch with me in about a script about like my story or whatever. It was something crazy. They reached out to my girlfriend actually, and she told me about it. So I have an opportunity to, to work with him on a on a storyline. So I'm super excited about that. And it's just, and if that can happen, man, that'll be, phew, I, didn't, I don't even know, if, I don't know where it just came up, but that'll be something incredible. That would be incredible. Yeah, it would be. But you know what?
2: If that doesn't happen, you'll it's make still, something else yeah, incredible. Still,
1: yeah, stay incredible. Make, that's yeah. not the only yeah. thing, man. Yeah. When
2: you've got the attitude that you do and you've got the the direction and the trajectory that you're going, that opportunity may come, it may go, yeah. but there'll be others. Yeah, you'll create sure. other opportunities. 100 i And it's 100%. not like, I mean, that's like the the, the, the the scarcity mindset versus versus the abundance mindset yeah. of you know, that opportunity may happen. It may not. Yeah. Like lots of people get movie, movie, um, people come to them yeah. with movie deals or and TV deals out. or yep. whatever, and, and and it doesn't exactly. work out and and that's fine. Right. Yeah. You're going to learn a ton of stuff in the process. Yes. If it works out, it's going to be awesome. If it doesn't work out, you're going to take what you learn and you're going to exactly. apply it somewhere else and you, you, you'll yeah. end and up th- somewhere else. And
1: that's what life is all about. Taking your, what you've been through and applying it for what's next. Um, you know, some people just don't get that concept. <laughs> yeah. Some, people, some so, people don't.
2: So now you're you're um you're embarking on a new chapter really. Yes. Like you're you're right now you're a little bit in limbo. You're about to go to a new yes. new team. Like yep. what's what's what is next? I mean so, we talked about living in the moment, yeah. But what is next?
1: So I I just signed my new management contract uh with this great guy from uh his name is Ken Ken Jones I just My new manager So <laughs> So many names He's uh, based in LA So uh, Hard working guy um, I'm definitely looking forward to I'm meeting him next week actually um, But I'm heading to Denver Colo- No Colorado Springs, Colorado So I'll be training there And then between there And Omaha, Nebraska So I'm very excited to be you no, know, Isolated again <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm very excited to be training with uh, Terrence Crawford. He's number two pound pound fighter in the world. Wow! And uh, he's actually fighting November 20th in Vegas. Is he your weight? What, what he's, weight does he? Uh, weight class, two weight classes above me. So, what is your weight class? My weight class is super lightweight. Which so, is I'm, how many pounds? I, I, I'm in between lightweight and super lightweight. So, 135 and 140. Okay. So, I'll be fighting between both of them. Um, but I will be sparring with Terrence. No. I'm I'm the type of guy that my pride is like gets in the way of everything. <laughs> and it can be a bad thing and be a good thing. That's why you need other people around you to tell you, no, you ain't doing that. <laughs> um so I don't back down from any challenge. I I I like to face my fears. Um and I think that's where a lot of people limit themselves. A lot of people limit themselves because they're scared. They're scared to take to take a chance. You can't be scared to take a chance. You'll never know what's going what's gonna to be the outcome if you never do it. And I would say about 90 people in life are stopped because of that. Like, you know, people I've ran into that say, what if? If you just do it, it wouldn't be a what if. Like, just do it and give it your all. So
2: they're saying, like, what if I did this, but then they never actually do it?
1: Right. Or what if this happens to me. Well, what if it don't? What if, what if, what if, what if, what's the other side of what if? Like, think about that. What if you do this and this comes out on the other side? Like, mm-hmm. even some fighters, some local fighters here who, who say, I want to be like you. Well, if you, if you want to be like me or be similar to me, you have to be ready to take risk. You have to, like, you can't be scared. You can't let, f- let your fear hold you back from success like what if you get in there and you do this. It's a it's a good thing. And um no and I think 90% of people in the world live like that and that's mm-hmm. why they're limited to 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 certain things. Like just get out and do it.
2: Yeah. It's a self-limiting yeah. behavior, like a self-limiting belief that you can't do it. And then yeah. there's like uh stuff that I've struggled with before throughout my career is like you have the fear of failure. Like, what if I go in there and I get knocked out? Yes. But then there's also the fear of success. Like, what if I go in there and I make all this money and then all my friends don't like me anymore yes. and I have to move away? And, you know, now now I'm living in this house over here and I don't have my friends anymore. A lot of people are limited yeah. by the fear of success. And, and that's, Actually, I
1: never thought about that one before.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a real fear. and 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 it's like... Well, you know, I don't want to be too good because then yeah. I won't be popular anymore. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure you've experienced it in your life. When you start winning everything, people are like, oh, that guy again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. when is he going to get beat? Like, and, yes. and, and then they start talking. And then people that you thought were your friends start talking. Yes. And then, you know, that's a real tough one for, it, it was a real tough one for me to get over. Like, yeah. how do you deal with a fear of success? Because that is a real fear yeah just as limiting as a fear of failure because a lot of people won't even try because they're afraid they're going right, to fall, exactly. fail and then there's other people that won't even try because they're they're like i know i could right. do it but what's going to be the outcome of me exactly. doing it that's a tough one uh but you've you've done you've done really good um and so you think this time next year you're going to be fighting for another world title
1: Yes. Yeah, so the plan f- that I heard from my manager is that this time next year, he wants to have me fighting for a title or in title contensions, which I'm super excited about that. As soon as it can happen, the better it is. Um, well, I mean, you're already like in the mix, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're a two-time world champion. Yeah. So if you move to a
2: different weight class or something, you're going to be considered as yeah, like yeah. one I'm, of the I'm, top I'm, fighters. Yeah, I'm definitely right? highly
1: ranked. But it's, Even
2: if you move to a different organization?
1: It's it's all about moving in the right direction, moving the right way. Um uh, as you know, you follow combat sports. It's 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 all about m- matches, like who you match with, right. styles, and basically just being in the right position at the right time. Um, you no, know, even you look, look at Floyd Mayweather's career; he was in every position at the right time when he fought Pacquiao. Pacquiao wasn't in his prime. Right, he's past his prime. He's even hurt. And, Had a shoulder injury. Right. And it's just like, and Floyd capitalized on that moment. He's and smart. He's very he's smart. He's got smart people very, around him. Very, very smart. And you know what's funny? He never even graduated high school. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's
2: a lot of different types of intelligence, and yeah. there's a lot of different types of smart. And he obviously has yeah. been—he definitely really has good, it. Yeah, and although he, he doesn't take care of his money very well. Exactly, and he can't read, so <laughs> he can't read. <laughs> well, he gets hit in the head for a living, but he's only been hit like five times yeah. ever.
1: He's just, yeah, he just doesn't have his. I think he actually doesn't have a high school education. I think he, in middle school, he stopped going to school or something like that. So, you know, but he makes. No, he does. He loves what he doing. He he he's very good at it. He's mm-hmm. one of the best. Him and McGregor broke every pay per view record there was. So. It's
2: unbelievable what yeah. they what those yeah. guys did. They both yeah. they both have, <laughs> have done um incredibly yeah. well. So if this time next year we can watch you um win win another world title.
1: Yeah, and actually uh I'll be back in the ring uh, late January early February uh hopefully I be I either be fighting on a major streaming app or Showtime or ESPN. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And then one of my goals for my career is to fight here in Chattanooga. Right on. Yeah. You can bring in. a big fight yeah, here. That's, what, that's what my goal. Is. It has to happen. It has to happen. And, well,
2: uh, we can, uh, <laughs> I, know, I know a couple of people that might be able to help that.
1: We, help at, that has to happen. That's been my goal for, you know, but it all comes down to the right time, uh, the right moment. And uh, I think it'd be something special for the city, something special for me personally. Uh, to be able to fight at home. Um, I've been to some of the major's biggest venues in the world, and uh, I don't think any of them will make me feel how it w- I feel when I fight here in front of people, the city that I love. No matter where I go, I always represent Chattanooga on my back. Um you no, know, it's just... Even all the places I live, I always come back to Chattanooga. Always. It's just... No, amazing city, amazing people, uh, and this is just my core, my core root. Like, you no, know, this is my home, and uh,
2: I love it. I love right it. on, man. Well, it's you're 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 uh, <laughs> you're doing really awesome. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so, I got two questions to close this out. Um, in life, sometimes you have you have things that you can negotiate with, and then you have the non-negotiables. Right, Things that you're going to wake up this morning and before your head hits the pillow tonight, this is getting done or this is never going to get done. That's a Mm non-negotiable. No matter what factors come into the day, all of a sudden you thought you were going to have time. Now you get real busy and you say, I'm not going to do that today. But a non-negotiable, no matter what happens, that gets done. Or a non-negotiable is no matter what happens, I'll never do that. Right? Yes. What are your non-negotiables?
1: Ooh, that's a tough question. <sighs> My non-negotiables. You
2: don't. It, it, it could be just one. It could be three. It could be whatever things that that you just won't negotiate with yourself or anyone else on.
1: One that I'm working on right now is. If me and my girlfriend have a problem fixing it, um, the other one is getting my miles in. I don't care if it's if I don't if I don't get up in the morning and do it, it's going to get done sometime time between. I don't care if I have a busy schedule during the day, even when I'm out doing media uh media tours. I take my run shoes with me. Even if I'm like after a fight or let's say I'm out and I'm I'm, I'm 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 having a good night out. My running shoes are in the car. That's non-negotiable. I have to get it done because I, I actually feel like and I was in the position before in my life. If I don't get it done, it turns into a cycle. You miss one day, you're going to miss another day. You miss two days, you're going to miss a third day. And I always feel like I'm behind. I hate feeling behind. I hate feeling like I need to catch up. I was always taught that if you if, if you stay ahead, you will never have to catch up. Mm. <laughs> it's 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 harder to catch up than anything else in life. Um, like, and most people find that out on bills. Once you get behind on a bill, you get hit with late fees. It makes you so much harder to catch up. Which I really don't understand. If somebody's behind <laughs> and you hit them with a late <laughs> fee, and you're working a a, a regular nine to five. It's, going, it's so much harder to catch up. Yeah. And it's well, going, they're not doing it for you. It's go, they're doing it for them. <laughs> it's, going lead, it's going to lead to other things that's going to get you behind. So, oh, sure. And that's something I dealt with growing up too, seeing that. Uh, so those are my two non, non-negotiable items. Okay. I like it. All right. If,
2: if everything was wiped away, your world titles, everything, everything's gone for whatever reason, What are three things that you would want people to, that you would want to leave for anyone?
1: Number one is inspiration. I want to, does that count? Yeah, absolutely. I want to inspire everyone. Like, no matter if you're older than me, younger than me, I feel like I can connect with everybody. I can give anybody motivation or inspire somebody to go after a new goal, go after an old goal, uh, to change to im impr- imp- to put an imprint on someone's life somehow. Um maybe being the warrior they never could be. And um <sighs> being a good parent to my kids and just leaving a legacy. I don't care if it's to the public, but to my kids. Um, And fix a relationship with my parents. (laughs) That's one of my goals that I struggle with. And I'm on teeter-totters with it. Like, how do I do that? How? I don't even know if my parents are open to that. And I talk about this often with my girlfriend, like, how do I address my mom to go with me to to talk about the things I want to talk about? Would she be open to that? I don't know. Would she be defensive about it? 100%. How would I react to her being defensive? Um, you know, just... Her, having better memories of her, like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. Just, well, you know what? There's one way to find out. <laughs> exactly. Get it done. <laughs> it's
2: just like, just like we just talked and about. And that's negotiable like,
1: for me. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can I can be like this one day and then she'll, like, do something to me and it's like, oh, it's a waste of time. Yeah. So... So that's, well, I think for my future kids, like to be inspiration to them uh, that I never had from my parents and, you know, inspiring other people's lives in some shape, form or fashion. You're doing
2: it, man. (laughs) You're doing it right now. Um, Ryan, this was amazing. Yes. It's It's incredible. The, your story is is incredible, and in the way that you've rebounded and pulled yourself out thanks of it so to much. the Thank highest you. heights Thank it's you. it's really amazing. And and honestly, your story's just it's just getting started. Oh
1: yeah, it is. It's definitely it's going to be uh, a lot more, a lot more. It's All right, man. Exciting. Well, thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thank I you for having it. me. Thank you. All right, if it's, people want to follow you, what do they do? You can follow me at Blue Chip Boxer on Instagram and Twitter, um, Facebook Ryan D Martin. Um, I'm the everyday average person i just like to hang out let me tell you anybody there's nothing there's nothing
2: (laughs) every day and average about you nothing
1: anybody want to go bowling i'm very heavily involved in bowling and i love it that's what i do in my off time uh in scuba diving so if anybody wants to do those two things i'm always open for it all right
2: it sounds good (laughs) man all right that's it for today thanks man see ya